Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Graw Pod. I'm Doug Graw here and excited about who's joining me today. It's going to be a little bit different. We've got kind of a little bit of a new flow to our podcast, but very excited. It's also fall playoff baseball time, start of basketball, the start of hockey, football's in full swing. This is about as good as it gets, especially when you live in the upper Midwest and all the colors and all that kind of stuff. So feeling good, excited to be here and to be joined by Gary Randall, as always. Gary, thank you for joining us. And Gary, why don't you say a few words before we add our newest guest? Oh, I think we're both excited today to introduce our newest guest. I think you summed it up pretty well in terms of the intro. The fall colors are bright and alive here in Minnesota, and we actually added another color this morning. We had a nice white coating this morning when we woke up. So we are definitely feeling the change of seasons, and the change of seasons exists, of course, not only in nature, but also in the trucking supply chain industry. So we're excited to talk about some things with that today. Well said, Gary. And yeah, change can be scary and sometimes change is negative, but change is usually very good, even if it doesn't necessarily feel it out of the gate. And one change I know, Gary, you and I are excited about, and I should have used the word guest because he's not a guest. He's here. He's on the team. Gary, you and I are excited to reconnect with a longtime friend and colleague who I know is going to provide a lot of value to our clients, to our team. Steve Youngquist, thank you for joining us and not just a part of the podcast, but being a part of the Graw Group. I'll say a brief word or two, and then you go from there and kind of introduce yourself, Steve. But you, Gary, and I kind of have a long pass together. Steve, you're a guy that has worked in just about everything within transportation, trucking, logistics, warehousing. You've been in the recruiting world. You've been in the retention world. You've been in the logistics world. And I think you covered a lot of bases because in my time with you and not just working with you, but watching you work with others, you've touched a lot of parts of trucking because you're great with people. You're not afraid to challenge. You develop. You treat people well. You're a little bit lighthearted, which I think kind of fits Gary and I too. We're okay with cracking a joke here and there. But Steve, excited to work with you and excited to see what you're going to be able to do for our clients. Welcome aboard, Steve. Well, thanks, Doug. Thanks, Gary. I am excited to join the Graw Group. It's kind of like a homecoming in some respects, but the knowledge that we have between us is really quite balanced, as you mentioned, Doug. Just in a nutshell, I've worked with trucking companies that had 100 trucks, 500 trucks, 2,500 trucks. And even, most recently, a startup division that had just one truck and grew from there. So yes, the challenges that come up in this industry, whether we're on the trucking side, whether we're looking at logistics, whether we're talking about warehousing and how we identify gaps in inventory, cycle turns, and those things that really are part of trucking, because you can't load a truck if you don't find a dock. So I think we've got a very well-rounded team. And to your point, Doug, we can help any trucking company with just about any problem because we've been there. Works very well with the topic we're going to be discussing today, and that is business development. And at the various size companies and different network divisions that I've worked with, planning for the next year, the next three years is very important. And a lot of companies try to start in the summer, in the fall, and all of a sudden it gets to fourth quarter and they're scrambling to put a plan together. I think that's what our listeners are going to enjoy today is hearing what can they do specifically to make sure they've got a sound business plan. You're exactly right, Stephen. You bring up a couple of good points there. And Gary, I know that you and I have laughed a lot of times about planning. We're both big believers in planning. And I know you are too, Steve. We also joke because plans last about the first hour or so of the workday in trucking, if that. 
Usually they last long enough for you to look at your second or third email, but that doesn't underestimate or undervalue the importance of planning and what it can do for your business. In particular right now, because none of us are economists, we're not trying to play prognosticator of the market, but reading the headlines, talking to our clients, we are seeing to varying degrees softness. And it's happening now. And we're seeing some shippers kind of come to the table and they're ready to negotiate because they feel they maybe have a little bit more power. So in some ways we're cycling like we always do in trucking, but this cycle might be a little bit different. So what we're here today to talk about is what can you as a trucking or logistics company be doing right now to prepare yourself to plan for success, to have success as the market turns when it comes to business development? For two years, it's basically like, I've got a truck and here's my price. That's the way you do business development. You'll get all the freight that you want at pretty much whatever rate you want. That's going to be changing. We want to talk a little bit today about how companies can prepare for that. So what does the fall mean for you, Steve, and for you, Gary, as far as future business development? Historically, a little bit of high season operations, maybe it's a little bit busier, but we can't just focus on the here and now. What does the fall mean to you on the business development cycle? I think there's two things that are really happening in that fall season that you just mentioned. One is typically the operations as busy as it gets all year long, right about this time of year. So there's got to be a daily focus and there's got to be a carrying out of what needs to be done individually each day. But there also needs to be some looking forward because although Januarys have been pretty good the past few years, you know you're going to hit that certain time in Q1, whether it's January or February, where things are going to slow. You've got to be able to have a plan in place to react to that. You mentioned earlier, Doug, that plans are about as good as the second email. I think there's some truth to that. It's the old saying from boxing, right? Everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. But the point is, is that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a plan for that first quarter. What it means is that we have to make sure that we're nimble with that plan because the market does change and the market does take some quick turns. Those of us that have been in the business a long time realize that we can go from being extremely busy on a Friday to Monday rolls around and all of a sudden it's like someone turned the faucet off. So companies have got to be thinking, what are they going to do to try to avoid that? What are they going to do to try to bring some stability to their freight focus? So I think fall means let's make sure that we're carrying out the tasks we need to carry out in order to be successful today, but let's also keep one eye forward to make sure we're preparing for those Q1 times when things really start to slow. In your world, Steve, and when I say your world, because we just commented about how many different worlds you've run and led and all that kind of stuff. But today we're talking to you about your business development hat. While Gary's operations team is at about their busiest in terms of just day-to-day freight management, what is this time of year for the business development folks? What should it be? That's a great question. The transition is good from what Gary was talking about because it's so easy to, as Gary mentioned, be involved in the busyness of really the season. However, if we're true to our plan and we're true to making sure we have a workable plan, even though it's got to be nimble, we really need to identify what our target markets are and are we developing the contacts, the prospects, our pipeline, if you will, within those target markets and really look at the vertical markets we serve and see who else can we add in terms of service we're already providing to those types of companies. It's easy to forget that it's going to be slow 
when you're so busy. And that's the challenge of your sales and marketing department, the leadership team. Certainly operations has to remember that our seasonal customers are going to slow down. And what are we going to do to address that and be ready for that? A question I like to ask when we're planning is what happens if our top two customers were to leave us in very short order? And that scares a lot of companies. However, if you are prepared and you've got a sound plan, it should really be just a shifting of the gears so that you can execute on what you've already done there. And I think, Gary, I heard you talk about this a lot. And I know, Steve, you recognize it and believe it too, because we know it to be true. We're talking about ops and business development, but just as critical is that recruiting leadership and that recruiting team, because the three have to work together as you're developing these plans. What you can't have is operations is in there knee deep trying to figure out how to move the freight today. Recruiting just recruiting whatever driver they can get in today, while sales is sitting there going, I wonder where we can get more rate. What you need is people talking together about, okay, what freight are we really enjoying and we're doing really well at and we can recruit for and we want more of? And to your comment, Steve, about, well, what would happen if our top two would go away? I would also ask, encourage people to say, usually those top two aren't self-sufficient. They work really well because customer number 12 and customer number 36 fill some key connecting points in that fray network. So we also got to be thinking about what happens if we lost 36 and what happens if we lost number 12. Also, again, never forget that recruiting piece. It sounds really nice to think to ourselves, Gary, I know you talk about this. There is a philosophy about there's no such thing as a bad load, just a bad rate. We can probably have a different debate about whether or not that's a true statement or not. But if you do believe in that philosophy, you still have to be thinking, okay, that might mean I'm sending drivers to Western Montana. How am I going to get my driver back? What am I going to be doing next? Will I be able to recruit and retain if they know that they're going to have to go sit in Western Montana for three days every time we send them out there. So I think it's critical that we include all three pieces as we talk about this plan. I think there's no doubt about that, Doug. What you're really talking about is the network. So when it comes to recruiting, the example would be, do you want to recruit with a shotgun or do you want to recruit with a rifle? If you're recruiting within a specific network that you've built through your customer opportunities, then you're going to be able to recruit with a rifle. You're probably going to be more successful in getting those folks home on a regular basis when they want to be. And your service is probably going to go up because those drivers are going to understand that those customers that ship within that network are the customers that do get him or her home on a regular basis. So it's going to be extra important for that driver to take care of them service-wise. So I think that the comment you made, no such thing as a bad load, only a bad rate. I know there's people in our industry that believe that, but I also believe that to be short-sighted from the standpoint of all three do need to come together to work to create a solid network for you to be successful, not only in your planning, but in your execution on that plan. So Steve, we've just used the word plan probably 9,000 times in the first 10 minutes of this podcast. I'm curious from your perspective, okay, we're putting together a business development plan for 2023 and beyond. What goes into that plan? What are the questions that should be asked? And are we talking about a 50-page 
glossy memo that's bound and distributed and tons of training sessions on? Or are we talking about an email with a couple of bullet points? What is a plan for business development? Another great question, Doug, and you have to have the right people in the room. So you have to make sure, you commented a little earlier that you got to have recruiting's input, you have to have sales and marketing's input, you have to have operations input, and certainly you have to have the executive leadership team and probably the owner to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. And as you develop this plan, you're all on the same page. And so what goes into a good plan? I think you have to start out with the number of power units if you're a trucking company. How many trucks are you going to have next year? From there, you can look at staffing needs and really work through the various departments and loop in sales and marketing, identify really what is your target pricing. If you're a logistics company, it's really probably spot market unless you've got big contracts. The larger logistics companies are very good at contracting those rates. But if you're a smaller company, you're going to have to work with spot markets. And how does that play as you develop your marketing plan? So you've got the people, you've got the various departments, you've got certainly the rates that you want to work on. And really mentioned it earlier, what's your target market? Who is your customer that you can service best? You service grocery stores, is just big retailers. If you're a tanker, what are the commodities that are going to be shipping at what seasons? If you're a flatbed carrier or a heavy hauler, those are very seasonal and specific. So you've got to loop those types of commodities into your plan so that as you develop, we're going to grow by this amount. We're going to identify rates and the prices that we need to get there. And we'll have to add staff as need be. You mentioned there's a softening in the market. I think that has to come into play as we fine tune and develop the plans that we're going to initiate 2023. What's going to happen if there is a full recession? Depends on which economist you talk to. They could say that trucking is going to be okay. I'm of the persuasion that it's going to be soft. So the plan has to take into what's going on in the marketplace. I kind of was being a little bit facetious. Should it be this 50-page, high-gloss, spectacular document, or should it just be an email with a couple of bullet points? And the truth is, it's neither of those. It's more robust than a couple of bullet points, but you're wasting your time if it's this super sophisticated, detailed, flashy plan. I think what is critical is that you've got buy-in and consistency within the key areas of your department, because business development is not the salesperson's job. It is in some ways, but business development is really the whole team. Everybody's a part of it. In the operations world, Gary, I think you would echo, it's critical that they have an understanding of what freight we want, what capacity we have or we want and we're getting towards, what our drivers want, because the salesperson should be going in and continuing to maintain this great relationship with the customers, but they're not talking to the customer every day. Operations is. When operations is knocking it out of the park and on the same page with the business development team, then they can have those conversations and quickly pick up a load here and there. And all of a sudden you're picking up a lane and then you're picking up a plant and then you're picking up projects and all that kind of stuff. That stuff's huge and that stuff's hard to do if you're not all on the same page. Well, I think the opportunity that you're talking about, if operations is hitting on all cylinders, what that means is, is that operations becomes a problem solver for the shipper. So you think about it. I mean, if any of us have issues going on or we've got a problem, what's the first thing we think about when we try to get that fixed? We need some help from someone we trust. 
So if your day-to-day service has built up that trust level with the shippers, then when the shipper stubs their toe, they're going to come to you for help. And your ability to react to that is going to add, as you said, a new lane, a new subset of the customer, some new type of business that you didn't have in the past. I think when we talk about operations clicking on all heels, the driver piece is the piece that a lot of companies forget. So when we talk about building a plan or building a network as to who it is we want to do business with, it's so critical for companies to be able to find ways to communicate that to the driving force as well. A lot of companies look at it and they say, well, look how high our turnover is today. We'd be repeating ourselves over and over and over. That's part of what you've got to be willing to do. When the new driver comes on board with you, part of that orientation, part of that onboarding should be the new driver comes out of there with an understanding of here's our core customer base. Here's what's important to them. Here's what I might have to do different when I haul for that specific customer. There's a reason why customers are so happy with dedicated service. I mean, there's some consistency toward their rates that they're paying. They're happy about that. But a big part of what they're so happy about is the consistent service they're getting. And the reason they're getting that service is because that driver through repetition begins to look at that business as his or her own. A challenge for all carriers is how do you create that dedicated atmosphere, that dedicated mindset amongst your drivers with your general group of customers? That's a tall task, but the way you start to work on that is you make sure that the drivers are part of the plan, that they understand what the goals of the company are. You touch on something that's very important. Gary, I think we talk about it, and it's trust, and it's the internal trust. As you're developing a business plan, I've got a friend that uses this phrase all the time, what happens to you happens to me. And if we take that kind of mindset into the planning stages, we're going to be able to develop trust right away, knowing that if the rate is too low, I got to be part of fixing that, and I have to hear about that from the operations side. If the staffing isn't up to par, we need some training so that we can hit our numbers. We need to be able to trust there and make sure that we are locked at the arms and that what does happen to Doug and what happens to Gary happens to me because it's going to affect our business. That's a great point. I think when you're that in lockstep, when the group is clicking like that, I think a powerful thing that comes out of it is it's very easy in trucking to think and in logistics to think you need to be all things to all people because there are hundreds of thousands of trucking companies and I'm competing against this giant army of people out there and I got to try to do everything. But when you go through this planning process and you bring in people from each area of the business, and we haven't talked a lot about this, but just as a side comment, don't forget forget about the asset side, the maintenance, the truck acquisition too, because the types of trucks you get, the way you spec your trucks, all that kind of stuff would be impacted by the freight you're going after, the driver you're going after, and so on. So don't forget about them either. But what is huge when you're able to all work together like that is you really can get rid of a lot of noise and you really can get to focus on this is what we do really well. We've talked in earlier podcasts about knowing your differentiators, knowing your value add. And Steve and Gary, correct me where I don't say this well, but if you think about our industry, how do we get business? There's the spot market. That's just pretty much just, do I have a truck available and can I get the rate that I need or can I go low enough to get the business, whatever it is. There's the spot market business. There's the shippers putting out a big bid. 
I'm one of 500 trucking companies that got invited to this bid and I hope to get my story across. And maybe we can have a side comment about how to be successful in that world. Then there's the, what you described, Gary, which is the operations. We know our customers so well, we solve their problems, we keep adding business. And then the fourth is that I will describe more as the relationship building, getting to know people and then getting your foot in the door and seeing where it goes from there. If you know your differentiators and your value add, you can have success in all four of those. And when I say you, I mean each part of your business. If they can't articulate what it is that differentiates you, where your value adds are, I think you're making your work a whole lot tougher in a down market to get the business that you want and you need. I totally agree with that. I've heard it said that we should know our company so well that if somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, give me the top five reasons I should do business with your company, you can just rattle them right off without missing a cue. Because you've been able to communicate that, talk to your customers, you know what your drivers are concerned about, work with every department that is going to be involved in the plan, recruiting, operations, accounting, sales, And now you're able to say, this is what differentiates us and will allow us to execute on our plan and bring in the numbers that we're committing to. So I think what we're saying in this episode really isn't rocket science. It's not necessarily this new way of thinking or anything that's just mind blowing. But to me, we commonly see carriers honestly just not be that good at this. There are certain people in the organization that feel very strongly that, oh yeah, we know our plan, we know our differentiators, we know our value add. But if you really take the time to start asking each area and multiple tiers of your business about those things, you really don't. You have people saying you're really good at pick and pack warehousing, or you're really good at load consolidation, all that kind of stuff. When behind the scenes, you got other people are saying, we want to be more true over the road, truckload carriers. Those are probably some pretty extreme examples. But the point is, you have to ask people around your business these questions. And I think you might unfortunately be surprised at the answers you get. And that's where you're going to find out you've got work to do. It's just like we talk about all the time, Doug, and we've talked about in in previous podcasts. It's just like when a owner of a trucking company goes out and buys some new software, and he's absolutely convinced that that's going to help him run his business better and that there's going to be great dividends that are going to come back to him as a result of that. And then you get a year down the road or even six months down the road, and what you realize is, is that that software has been implemented maybe a third of its potential because the employees don't really understand it, they don't use it. So there's this expenditure that just gets put on the shelf and really does nothing in terms of benefiting the company. Same thing is true with the planning. If you're going to take the time to go through the process of planning your business and developing a network, what you're saying, and I agree with it wholeheartedly, is the only way that's going to be successful is if everyone in the company understands it and knows it and works toward implementing it. So we could go on for hours and hours on this topic, but nobody's got time. So I want to kind of give each of us a chance to maybe say a few parting words here. So we are entering what we think is some version or some degree of a down market. It is the fall season. What should our listeners take away from this discussion to help them prepare for what's coming, to help them be successful and not just have to weather the storm, but to truly thrive within it? What's a couple of takeaways? Steve, maybe I'll go to you first. 
Thanks, Doug. I think that we really need to communicate on the front end and the back end of the plan. If you could take away one thing that I've gotten out of our discussion today, and that would be make sure you talk to your drivers, your dispatchers, your recruiters, and find out what they believe your company does well. Talk to your customers. Ask them the questions. What are their expectations for growth? And then communicate that throughout the plan to make sure that when you've got a plan that you can all agree on and execute, you then take that to those same people and make sure they understand this is where we're going. And if we can all agree on that, we're going to have a good time getting there. Well said. Gary, same question to you. I think I'd second what Steve said, but then I would add in there has to be a component of flexibility and the plan needs to be nimble. Because the best laid plans, all of a sudden something unforeseen will happen and you've got to be able to react to it. That does not mean you take your plan and you throw it in the trash. What that means is that you make tweaks to it or you make adjustments to it that are reflective of the situation you're in. And I think as long as you're nimble enough to be able to do that and the plan has been communicated throughout the organization, as Steve mentioned, from driver to president of the organization, I think you've got a chance to be successful with it. And I'll say, know yourself, know what you're great at, know maybe where your weaknesses are, but especially know what you're great at, focus on it, kick butt in that area, do great things in that area, make sure everyone in your organization knows what you're great at. And then you really can get into the details of really what markets am I going to thrive in? What customers am I going to thrive with? Where am I going to be able to get drivers that are going to excel in my framework, in my ecosystem? And then you're going to be able to figure out how to articulate that stuff in bids. You're going to know how to sell your ability to solve problems to those customers and to those drivers and all that kind of stuff. So know yourself, know what you're great at, and just keep emphasizing what you're great at. You can build a lot of plans around that. So thank you guys for being with me today. I've enjoyed the discussion. I got some feedback on our podcast last weekend, spending some time with some family and some friends. I do generally get good feedback from a lot of people about our podcast. My aunt and my sister-in-laws say they will start listening a lot when we start working murders into this and we can start talking about murders. I don't know how we're going to do that in our podcast, but if we ever come up with a way to do that, I think our audience will truly explode and we'll be gangbusters. But no, thank you for the discussion, guys. Appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of The Graw Pod. Keep being well out there, everyone. Be safe.